Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and we have trades to announce. This is episode 100. I can't believe I've done 100 episodes up to this point. Time flies. I want to get right into these topics, and I'm just going to go ahead and kind of zoom through what I'm going to be talking about today. Obviously, Bradley Beal was traded to the Phoenix Suns. We have the Miami Heat, who have obviously made it known that they're really trying as hard as possible to get Damian Lillard. We know Draymond Green declined his player option, which was interesting. Uh, looks like he definitely wants to test free agency. Maybe there's a new deal in the works with the Golden State Warriors that will help him stay long term. Or maybe he is just making a move to see what he can be offered elsewhere in the market. Um, the Warriors, obviously, they have a new GM, which is tied into all this. Mike Dunleavy Jr., John Morant, obviously, he got suspended 25 games. Everybody knows that. Lou Williams announced his retirement. I'm going to kind of touch on that a little bit. And Jordan, Michael Jordan sells his stake in the Charlotte Hornets, but he's not leaving without one last say, right? And I'm going to get right into that. So I want to get right into this Bradley Beal trade, right? Just right away. I just want to talk about this one. It's been a little bit since the last episode. So in my opinion, I think it's great that the Heat did not trade for Bradley Beal. As we all know, he has a no trade clause, meaning there's no plan B if it doesn't work, right? That's like the biggest thing for me. If I'm trading, right? If I'm if I'm making moves, I want a plan B. I want a plan C. I want a plan D, right? Like I want to have the ability to reroute that path if it doesn't work out. And you're not going to be able to do that if you trade for Bradley Beal because of the no trade clause. So that's one reason I'm glad that he didn't trade for Beal. Another one is obviously we know he's a major cap hit, right? He's a big contract, right? He has a massive contract, which is similar to Damian Lillard. But obviously you take in one of those guys, it just makes it harder to build for depth, right? So if you take Beal, it's, I mean, you're, you're going to kind of be in the same scenario money wise because Dame makes a lot of money as well. But if we're talking Dame or Beal with that amount of money, I mean, Beal is not as good of a scorer as Dame. And Beal is also injury prone, right? And Dame's been a little injury prone recently, right? The last couple of seasons, he's been out with some injuries as well. So, you know, that's the kind of difference between the two. Obviously, you know, the spacing issues are another thing about Bradley Beal, right? Like, let's say they were able to get Beal, right? Let's say they traded him for Hero and whatever else. The spacing issues, right? You have a a lineup of Bradley Beal, Jimmy, Bam, at the same time, Beal's not a good three-point shooter, right? He's like a mid-30s three-point shooter. He's more of a mid-range scorer. He gets to the rim, but he's not going to space the floor the way Dame can space the floor. And it wouldn't solve, you know, their reliable ball handler problem like Dame would because Dame's a point guard, right? And, and he has the ball in his hands a ton, right? He took a he took a lot of the off-ball responsibilities. Like, he, he really got off the ball, the last couple seasons in Washington, but he's also just been hurt. So, you know, that's just, it's just a big bag of red flags for Bradley Beal, which is why I'm glad that he didn't give in to that option. If they even had the option, um, like if they had the offer to do it, right? So I'm going to go over the trade itself between the Wizards and the Suns. Obviously the Wizards, they get Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks and multiple pick swaps. So, you know, not a whole lot for a guy like Beal, 
And part of that is because, again, it's all the things I was talking about, right? Just, you know, kind of regressing. Statistically, he's always injured and the no trade clause plus the massive money. So all those things going to be kind of hard to get a lot of value for that. Um, nonetheless, you know, would a trade have been better if you could have gotten like a Tyler Hero and maybe some picks? Maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, because you're getting multiple second round picks, which, you know, I don't know what those picks are going to be. The Wizards have not picked historically well in the draft. So, you know, I don't know. They're probably just getting more bullets in the chamber, right? As many picks as they can. Uh, Phoenix Suns get Bradley Beal and Jordan Goodwin. Wizards clearly wanted as much draft compensation as possible. The Phoenix Suns, they get a third option in their offense that a couple seasons ago was averaging 30 points per game, right? In Bradley Beal. They also surprisingly were able to keep DeAndre Ayton, who I thought was going to be moved in this deal. Like I was actually, when I saw the trade, I was so surprised that, that DeAndre Ayton is still on the Phoenix Suns. I'm thinking, wow, they actually were able to turn washed up CP3 and always injured CP3 and Landry Shamit with a couple of picks into Bradley Beal. Like that's a pretty good trade uh, when you're taking it at that value, right? Like face value. Um, I don't know, you know, trading for Bradley Beal and having three scorers means DeAndre Ayton is going to be needed even more on this Suns team, in my opinion, right? Because Ayton's going to bring size, scoring, and rim protection at center, right? Where they're shorthanded. And taking in Beal also means that their ability for paying, the ability to pay others, right, for depth is going to be rough. Okay, like... The contracts are crazy, right? For KD, for Aiton, for Devin Booker, for Bradley Beal. These guys are just taking up so much cap space for the Suns. So, you know, it's going to be a, a little bit of a mission for these guys to find some depth. They're going to have to probably re-sign some of the guys that were already on their team. Um, you know, I don't know. This is a significant gamble, though, for the Suns. Because unless Beal accepts a future trade... If this doesn't work out, it won't happen because of his no trade clause, right? Like you won't be able to trade Bradley Beal. So the Suns are making, this was a big risk, a big gamble, uh, you know, hoping that you're pairing three scorers together. You know, I'm definitely thinking that, that Devin Booker is going to assume the point guard responsibilities for the most part, like he did last season, right? And that, that worked a lot, right? A lot of pick and roll action with Devin Booker, you know, with the ball in his hands. And that looked really good. Um, so I'm guessing that's going to probably pick up even more. Um, bottom line for the Suns, I'm only a fan of this move because Aiton is still on the roster. Right? And that's funny because I don't like DeAndre Aiton. And anyone that listens to this pod knows that. But they need him now. You know, they need that big presence on both ends. Or this team is a disaster, right? In terms of rebounding and rim protection at the five. And I give this move a solid B+. Plus. Because it's basically the same team, minus Chris Paul and Landry Shamit, which means the regular season is still likely going to be successful, right? But I can't give it anything higher, right? Like any any higher of a grade than a B plus, because of how limited they're going to be able to find help, right? Just because of Beal's big contract, right? Bottom line for the Wizards, they can finally move on in a new direction and hopefully start making the right picks in the draft and develop guys properly because last season drafting Johnny Davis at number 10 he was awful last year hopefully he bounces back I don't know what his story is I don't know uh you know what the plan is with him but last year was terrible 
for Johnny Davis. Uh, Porzingis, obviously he opt out. And by the way, he was just traded to the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to actually bring that up now. I might as well before I forget because I didn't have that in my notes. Uh, it happened today. So let me go to those trade details. Let's see. Wizards are finalizing a trade to send Porzingis to the Celtics in a three-way deal. Let's see. Wizards would receive Marcus Morris and the 30th pick on tomorrow's draft, right, from, from, from the Clippers. Uh, Boston would send Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. Uh, Clippers would send uh, Amir Coffey to the Wizards as well. And the Celtics are going to send Danilo Gallinari to the Wizards. And they get Chris Tapps Porzingis in return. So, you know, obviously they give up a guard, right? We know the Celtics have guard depth, right? They have a lot of guards, right? In my opinion, right? They have Peyton Pritchard. They have uh, Marcus Smart. Obviously, if you count uh, Jason Tatum, right? That's one, unless you're counting Jalen Brown. I forget which one of the two is mostly playing three. Um, you know, there's there's some there's a lot of versatility, right? Definitely some ball handling players. Derek White has played point guard, so you know they can definitely do away with that. Uh, what they're bringing in with Chris Porzing is is desperately what the Celtics needed, right? They needed. It's hard to say that that one of the best offenses in the league needed offense, but after watching how they played in the conference finals and really in the second round and even the first round throughout some moments, it looked like they needed scoring. Like they for how for whatever reason that didn't make any sense to me. These guys were just they first of all, they were turning the ball over like crazy. But they also couldn't make shots, which was interesting to see, right? Like, it was either a hot night or an extremely cold one. Um, you know, Porzingis is going to spread the floor. He's going to bring more size, right? I mean, this is a 7-foot-plus power forward that can shoot threes. He can come around the corner, around curls, right? Like, just picking pops in the mid-range. He can get you some tip-ins. He can get you some putbacks. He can post up relatively well. I'm not going to say he's a great post-up player. Um, but, you know, again, just rim protection, right? He can definitely block shots. He can get you rebounds. So, you know, Chris Tapsporzing is massive trade for the Celtics. I Right when I thought the Celtics couldn't get any better roster-wise, they trade in Danilo Gallinari, who, you know, he was hurt all year, didn't even play. And Malcolm Brogdon, who was sixth man of the year for the Celtics, right? He was huge for them. Um, until he broke down, I guess, it, because he was injured. But to turn that into Kristaps Porzingis, like a seven-foot, two-way, just three-point shooting big, like, I mean, it's that's, that's a huge pickup for the Celtics. They're going to be super fun to watch uh, once this trade goes through because it says the trade's not confirmed yet, but they're working out the deal. So, you know, usually it says, when it says they're nearing a deal, uh, it, you know, it, it just goes through pretty much for the most part. So hopefully by the time this episode is posted, that deal gets put through and I didn't just waste all this time for nothing. Um, by the way, I just got another alert. Actually hate that I'm doing it like this, but, um, Orlando magic could shop Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs, right? It says here, if, if Orlando drafts a guard team may consider dealing either Jalen Suggs or Cole Anthony, that's per uh, Yahoo sports. So that's. You know, that's not surprising to me. You know, I really like Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, you know, definitely untapped potential, still very young. Both of them are still very young. None of them can really shoot, you know, and when their shot is off, it's it's rough. It's rough for these guys. You know, it's very rough there. You know, obviously Cole Anthony undersized, extremely streaky three-point shooter. Um, he can get to the rim. He's fearless, you know, but a lot of the times just 
kind of redundant out there, right? And he's he is one of my favorite young players to watch because he is very athletic for his size. And I like his energy. I like his vibe. I like his attitude. Um, but, you know, just hasn't been that productive, in my opinion. Hasn't been efficient from three. And you really need that from your guards, right? Like, if you're a ball handler and you can't shoot threes, you better be an incredible playmaker and a slasher, right? Like, someone that just can make things happen, right? And because Cole is so undersized... Hard for him to really play make because he can't see over the defense too well. So most of his stuff is like driving kick, right? If he can't see anything, he kind of, he jumps, right? And kind of, he passes out of his jumps often, which leads to turnovers at times. Um, so that's, you know, that's just ugly uh, playmaking in my opinion. I think it's panicky, like last minute kind of random playmaking, right? And that's not good, right? You want someone that can take care of the ball, someone that if they're not going to shoot well from three, they're going to make things happen, right? Like, and, and that's when I'm going to do the pod for the draft, which is probably going to happen tomorrow, early in the day before the draft happens, like I did last season, um, just kind of going through like the, 10, the first 10 picks and uh, just kind of breaking down those players and why I think they should go to a specific team. I think the Orlando Magic should 100% draft a guard. I think that's what they need. Obviously, they need shooting, right? Because they still don't have that. And you're going to need that because Franz Wagner, still improving as a shooter, right? Paolo Bancaro, definitely still improving as a shooter. It's only year one. Those two guys are special. They're very good. Obviously, they're big players. This is a team that's, you know, going as lanky as they can from what it looks like, right? Obviously, there's a Wendell Carter Jr. So, you know, Though this team really going for that length and versatility, I think that Anthony Black uh, is going to be a really good fit for this team. The problem is he still can't shoot, right? Like he's not a good shooter out of college, and that's going to be something that's going to take time if he ever develops the shot, right? But on the other hand, they also need defense, right? Like the Magic need defense really badly, and he is just... He's an incredible defender, and he's an amazing playmaker. He he breaks down film. He knows NBA terminology already. I'm going to kind of get into his stuff a little more on a different pod for the draft, but I'm going to keep moving on with this episode. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the bottom line. I kind of went on a tangent because I saw the alert, uh, but I do want to talk about the Heat. They want Damian Lillard. He's the right guy from these two between, like, Bradley Beal, who's already on the Suns. This is the move. If if they're going to trade for a player, it's Dame, right? Like, this is the guy. They need that floor spacer. They need a guy that's comfortable with the ball in his hands. Someone that's going to make things happen. It also helps that Dame averages 30 points a game. Very reliable scorer. Plays hard. Doesn't make excuses. He's one of the clutchest players in the league. Definitely need a player like that. Um, the problem is, what is it going to take to get him? Right, we know that the Portland Trailblazers are asking for Bam. Right, we've already heard that. Seems to me like teams aren't really interested in Tyler Hero. I think part of that is because we know what Tyler Hero is at this point. He's very young, so he can definitely get better. But at this point, you know, just guard. Right, a guard that just shoots the ball. Right, and he's either hot or he's not. Like those guys, in my opinion, they're just not valuable. You know, like, are they valuable because they can shoot the ball? Of course. You know, people that can score, they're very valuable. But if they can't defend at all, right, what happens on those cold nights? They're just running laps. Like, like he turns into 
a non-shooting Duncan Robinson, right? Like, like basically, when Tyler Hero is cold, he's basically a bad version of Duncan Robinson. Like, he, he's basically Duncan Robinson when Duncan Robinson's cold, right? And maybe the difference between those two is Tyler Hero actually gets to the rim, right? Like, he does get in there, right? Like, he does drive more. He puts the ball down a lot more than Duncan does. Duncan did a little bit more of that in these playoffs. But, you know, just kind of useless if the shot's not falling, right? And that's the problem with Tyler Hero. He's also very injury prone, you know? So that's another thing that knocks his value. Um, he's also making a lot of money, you know? So um, you want to argue, hey, man, he he was put as a six man and he won six man of the year and he averaged a lot of points. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like he, we know he can score, you know, but it's when he, when he isn't scoring, what else are you doing for me? Right? And the answer is nothing, right? Like that's, that's Tyler Hero in a nutshell. For now, right? He's still young, like I said. There's still some room to grow. He can improve defensively. He can get stronger, whatever it is, right? But for now, he's just a one-way player, right? One-dimensional. He's just going to score, and if he's not scoring, he's useless out there. So I'm going to move on, right? Next topics here for the episode. Um, so Draymond declines his player option. Clearly, this is a swing moment for the Warriors in terms of their future. This is their best defender, right? Um, their playmaker at the top of the key with those dribble handoffs. And when they're running Spain, pick a roll, when they're running Spain action, pick and pops, he's really their point forward, you know, and he, he is, he is the engine of that team on both ends. You know, I broke down a video on the YouTube channel of just Draymond's playmaking, right? Just his IQ on the offensive end, even with his lack of shooting, Right, just everything that he brings, the toughness, the yes, he makes you scratch your head sometimes. Yes, he he's annoying and he does dumb things. You know, he gets a lot of texts and and he talks a lot and he has his own podcast and he talks about the games and he talks a lot of crap, but at the same time, you need a player like that if you want to win championships and I don't know what they're going to do. You know, if 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 he clearly is looking for some for some more money or or I don't even know you know, what the plan is for him. Does he want to just leave, right? Is, is he going to try to like maybe chase rings elsewhere? Maybe he feels like nothing is going to be won on that team. I don't know his situation with Jordan Poole. So, you know, that's an interesting situation. I'm not exactly sure what what this is going to become. You know, everybody's talking about how he's just going to go to the Lakers. He's going to he's gonna have to take way less money if he goes to the Lakers because that's a whole nother story in terms of money. Um, you know, the Lakers, in my opinion... They, they should definitely look into grabbing uh, Austin, keeping Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Everyone else, I guess it's up for grabs at that point. But for sure, you know, if you're sticking with Anthony Davis and you're not going to trade Anthony Davis, then that should be your core, right? Rui, Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, LeBron. And then you kind of figure out what else you can bring. If it's a Draymond Green, my opinion is, man, when is the shooting going to be focused on, right? Like, when can we get some shooters on that Laker roster, you know, and Draymond Green, great defender. He's going to be awesome. You know, just another guy that can swing the ball. He's going to defend. He's going to bring toughness, championship pedigree, all that good stuff. But the spacing, right? Anthony Davis, really bad three-point shooter. LeBron, eh, you know, not a great three-point shooter either. And now you're putting Draymond on that team, right? Like there's no Steph, there's no Clay, there's no occasional hot shooting Jordan Poole or Dante DiVincenzo, you know, so... 
this is going to be a very cluttered offense if Draymond is the third piece of that, right? Because now we're talking, you know, Austin Reeves, not a great three-point shooter, right? He puts the ball down. He's really good with those floaters, mid-range area, getting to the rim, but he's not a good three-point shooter, you know? So that's going to have to be answered. You know, you, I, I just don't think that you can win a championship without three-point shooting. I, I just don't think you can. You know, even, even on that championship team with the Lakers, they weren't an elite three-point shooting team. But, you know, they had KCP. You know, like someone that, that you can kind of kick it to and, and, re, and reliably make some threes. You know, KCP, he was a streaky three-point shooter. He's still a, th- a streaky three-point shooter. But he is a three-point threat, right? Lakers haven't really had that in a while. So, you know, that's someone that they should definitely be targeting. Someone that can shoot threes, you know? Um, anyways, we get obviously Warriors, they get their new GM, Mike Dunleavy Jr. Just wanted to throw it out there on this episode. Didn't really have much to say about it, except, you know, when, when there's a new GM, it's just the most unpredictable next set of events, right? Like maybe he doesn't like Draymond. Maybe, you know, maybe he just wants to move on from that, right? Because some GMs, when they get the job, they make a move that's like, I'm here. You know, they're kind of making like a, like a big ballsy change to kind of set their own culture and like, you know, kind of show out, like put a little swing, put their name on something, right? Like, oh, this is what I did. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors in the future, you know, it's definitely, you know, they're a year older. Anyways, had to take a kind of break. Dog started barking, whatever. Uh, John Morant, right? Suspended 25 games. Is it enough? Is it too much? Is it just right? That's all the stuff you're going to hear. My opinion, I think sometimes like if a player does something over and over again, that's against the league rules. I'm not saying what he did was illegal. I don't, I don't really care about any of that. If the, if the league had to sit down with you, you know what, like, it's it's honestly, it's it's not even that important to me, to be honest. I don't think it matters much. It matters to the Grizzlies fans. Whoever has season tickets, that's going to suck because, you know, 25 games without Ja. Obviously, you know, not all those are home games, but that's a lot of games without Ja Morant, which is officially going to disqualify him from, I think, making All-NBA and winning MVP and those other awards because I'm not even sure... Uh, I think you need like 65 games. I'm not even sure what the number is for those awards now. That's what the new rules are. So they specifically targeted it so that he would also be penalized and not able to actually win some awards. So, you know, they really put a dent in what he can do this season in terms of individual success. But this team can definitely hold its own. I think they're a very good team. They're well coached. Like I always say, um, I think they're going to I mean, they, they definitely held their own. Um, in the beginning of the season last year, you know, uh, when they had a little bit of some injuries to start the season and things like that, you know, this is a tight knit group. I think they're going to be fine. Maybe that's just me being optimistic, uh, but they're going to have to hold out without him, you know, in the West, you know, the Kings are out there. They're established. Now the Warriors, you know, they're going to win games. They're going to lose like, you know, I don't know if they're going to be a 500 team again, but, um, you know, the Warriors are going to be there competing. Obviously, the Lakers are going to be competing. The Mavs are going to be fighting this season because they they definitely can't miss the playoffs again. Um, you know, obviously the Nuggets are there. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to have to name every single team in the Western Conference because at this point, the majority are very good. You know, even OKC on the rise. So 
I think that um, I think that Memphis Grizzlies, it is going to be troublesome to think about 25 games without Jaw to start the season because this could quickly take a turn for the worse for them. Hopefully, they're able to weather the storm, stay 500 at the least. And, you know, by the time Jaw gets back, hold another ball game. Maybe the team takes off and they get off to a crazy run. And who knows, man? Who knows? You know, the Memphis Grizzlies, very hard team to predict. Um, you know, especially the whole Dylan Brooks thing that he's no longer going to be on the team. So, you know, identities are changing on this team. Um, and it's, even even with John ja Morant, who knows what job ja we're going to see mentally, you know, physically. Is he going to be better this season with all the training, you know, just minus all the distractions? He, he's kind of away from the team. Who knows how it's going to look with Jaw? Um, I want to move to. Lou Williams announcing his retirement, which was pretty random, but it was expected um, after, especially after not seeing him for a little bit. Definitely could have had a career starting for other teams, but he definitely kept his role as a bench player. Just a spark plug off the bench, a little microwave, you know, someone that could really score the ball. Um, not someone that was going to defend streaky shooter, but a super confident player, you know, and he bounced around a lot, you know, had some good moments, but you know, just one of those careers that like, unless you're like a real basketball fan that really remembers all the things, he will also be one of those players that's just going to be forgotten, you know, especially by the casual fans. Um, but, you know, rest assured, he is definitely in the books as one of the best six men of all time. I would like to do kind of like my own ranking of all the six mans on a, on another pod, you know, have a lot of ideas for different pods, but uh, that's definitely one that would probably be fun. Maybe I'll do a video pod for it uh, for six mans. It's kind of tough because with six mans, it's like, what do you count a six man? Like, is it someone that is it someone that only played off the bench his entire career? right like for the most part or is it someone that was on the bench for like half their career and then they became a starter like do you count him as an all-time six man like a player like that like a player like James Harden who his first few years he's off the bench for OKC and then now obviously he's known as like a you know obviously a superstar maybe not nowadays but you know what I'm saying like someone like that is interesting you know like would you count him on your list of all-time six mans? And if you do, do you rank him lower because he didn't spend his whole career off the bench? That's an interesting topic. I would like to get into that one another day. Um, but I'm going to move on. You know, just kind of wanted to touch on the Lou Will. Uh, Michael Jordan sells his majority stake in the Hornets, but it comes with a but, right? Like he is not going to leave without having the final say for the pick. That's the news I read today. I think it's hilarious because it's him like, yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm going to say who we're picking. You know, I'm going to have the final say, which I think is hilarious. Um, are they going to take Brandon Miller? Are they going to take Scoot Henderson? Those seem like the only two guys that everyone's kind of thinking it's going to be, rightfully so. If I'm the Hornets, I would just take Scoot. You know, I think that Scoot... I'm not going to, I don't like using the, he's a hard worker argument because that would assume that the other person isn't. Um, and that's kind of ignorant because just because someone, you're not really seeing them work out as much, uh, on YouTube and things like that doesn't mean they're not working behind the scenes. So I don't want to use that. Um, I do want to say that when players from the NBA are, are publicly stating that you're a special guy and, and that they're training with you and they're putting those videos out. I don't know. I think that adds some value, right? Like, I think that ups your stock 
in my opinion. You know, you watch Steph Curry working out with uh, Scoot Henderson. There's a lot of stories about Scoot Henderson on the NBA app that you can check out. I think his personality is just like no nonsense, right? Just put your head down, work, work, work. He has a crazy NBA body. He is physically just super NBA ready. You know, obviously he played in the G League, so he's got some NBA access to those trainers, the workouts, the diets. Um, you know, you're playing against like mid-tier talent, right? Like ex-NBA talent, talent that's trying to make it to the NBA, uh, you know, some talent that's like new to the G League. It's like a mixed bag. I think it's more competitive than college. That's me. You know, I think that you're you're playing more sizable men in the G League, right? Like these are actual men versus in college, you're playing a lot of young players, right? So, you know, that that's the part that will always kind of sway some teams. You know, well, he's playing against men that have been around for years, you know, dudes that have been in and out of the G League, like back and forth between the NBA. They're around NBA coaches and things like that. So, you know, that's tough to me. It matters. I think the G League Ignite is a great program. There's a reason that they continue to get the top level talent uh, that goes really high in the draft over and over again. And I don't know, you know, I like Scoot. I think his athleticism is off the charts. Obviously, people compare him to like Russell Westbrook. Um, and obviously his mid-range shot way better than Russ's, right? The form is good. He doesn't jump too high like Russ does. Uh, he's definitely way more under control than Russ. His, like I said, his athleticism is what makes him stand out. But what people aren't talking too much about is his playmaking, you know, very comfortable with the ball in his hands. He has mentioned many times on many interviews that his, the thing he loves to do most is help his teammates score, right? So he considers himself like a pass first playmaking guard. Um, I think that he has the physical tools to be a freaking awesome defender. Um, you know, it, once the three-point shot starts to fall for him, because that's the lack in his game, can't really shoot threes. He's more of a mid-range scorer, gets to the basket. He makes great passes, great playmaker. But once that shot develops, if that's the last piece, right, like three-point shooting, which is definitely something you can easily improve over time, I think that he's just, I think his ceiling is higher than Brandon Miller's. And maybe you think I'm wrong because Brandon Miller, you know, he's taller. He's the lanky guy that can shoot from everywhere on the floor. Uh, ball handling, not too good. You know, I don't really like his handle either, you know? So he's definitely lacking in, in that sense. And I think when you're lacking ball handling with that kind of size, you're running into that territory like Jabari Smith, right? Like that's the problem that, that he had coming out of college. And that's something you're going to have to work on. When you go to the NBA, and you're a taller player and you can't really dribble well, that's a problem because now you become relegated to like catch and shoot responsibilities, like pick and rolls, pick and pops until you actually develop, uh, you know, great, reliable ball handling skills because teams are not going to put you in situations where you can dribble the ball and initiate offense if you can't even protect the ball right so that's something that definitely puts scoot over that guy is i think scoot's just more nba ready he might not have the offensive uh, arsenal that brandon miller has but i do think that when you have the physical tools and you have the ball handling and you've already been tested against grown men and your ceiling is crazy because of the physical ability i don't know i, I would rather take scoot you know and some people will say no they already have a point guard. It's LaMelo Ball. I still think you can do combo guards. 
Like LaMelo Ball, great passer. He likes to play fast. Scoot Henderson, really good passer. Loves to play fast. He can catch lobs. He can attack the basket. He can find his teammates. So I think that both of those guys together would also be really good. Um, obviously, if you have Brandon Miller, LaMelo has an offensive weapon to give it to, right? Someone that can spread the floor, create more spacing, and things like that. But I don't know. You know, I think that when you have Scoot, you're also thinking a team like Charlotte, right? They suck. The team terrible right they're always in the lottery Lamelo's always hurt right so in my opinion if if you think scoot is the better player and has the most potential you take him regardless of overlapping positions because if Lamelo can't stay healthy and you have scoot on your team you can trade Lamelo or or find a role for him or do something else right and you just move forward with scoot but if you draft for fit which is something that teams do very often with really high picks, you're kind of wasting your pick, especially if you think the other player's better, right? Sometimes when you're a bad team, you just have to pick who you think is the next best player in the draft, right? Like, look at what the Magic did, right? There was Chet Holmgren, there was Jabari Smith. Those two guys had incredible hype. So did Paolo Bancaro, obviously. And everyone thought, hey, most NBA-ready player, except me, obviously. I, I I was more on Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren Um, on my first episode that I ever did, episode one. Um, I was definitely on the Chet Holmgren train and I still am, right? I've kind of backed out on the Jabari Smith even though he's still super young, but um, I didn't think Orlando would take Paolo because of the lack of shooting, because of just, I don't know. You know, I thought that those other guys, you know, would solve the shooting problem, right? And then I also thought maybe they'll just take who they think is the best player available, which is what you're supposed to do, right? That's what they did. They thought Paolo was the best player available, most NBA ready, and it's paying off, right? Paolo, amazing, right? Just, he's an incredible talent. So that was a good pick for Orlando. So that's something that the Charlotte Hornets should really think about. You know, are you drafting Miller because you think he's the better player? Or are you drafting him because you think he's the best fit? If you're drafting for fit and you're a terrible lottery team, it might not work out for you. You know, draft who you think is best and keep it going right? Keep it going. Um, That's going to do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be tomorrow. I'm going to be talking about the 10 picks in the draft, just doing like a top 10, kind of thinking about who's going to go where based on those mock drafts and where I would like to see some players land. I was thinking of doing a video, but it would take too long to edit through it and then have it out before the draft. There's just no way. Um, So I'm just going to drop another audio pod tomorrow for it. And yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.